If you can stand up, <laughs> stand up. <laughs> well, Heavenly King, the comfort of the Spirit of Truth, who art ever present and fillest all things, treasure your blessings and giver of life. Come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity and save our souls a good one. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This morning, it's on right now. It's already recording. To turn it off, you press the this button, and then you hold that down the power. Okay. Okay. So one, then hold. All right. So next week we're going to hit John Damascus, and I'm we're not we're not going to do the same kind of attention, but we are going to be going through it again. If anybody needs the PDF of it. Let me know if you've already lost your copy, because uh, I don't want to make another whole round of copies again. If I have to, <coughs> should I just make another round of copies? No. All right. Wow. Well, okay. You guys aren't college students. You're all out. Who <laughs> uh, will come back to that? Because that is kind of like the meta stuff that you get in concreteness with like the publican and the Pharisee, right? Like. You see uh, how the fruit uh, of the flesh, the the vices, show themselves in kind of story form and dramatic form in order to provide conviction about the things that... And John is kind of giving us kind of schematics, as it were, right? And it's helpful to know both. They mutually inform each other. Uh, It doesn't mean you have to get a doctorate in it, right? Or, you know, write a dissertation about it, but just to have tools in order to better understand... I'm afflicted, instead of this kind of general, I'm sinful, like, no, I struggle with pride, right? Like, and it manifests itself in this way, right? Uh, and what we have with Lent is a very specific, intense time that is given to us. Uh, I think I mentioned in the sermon uh, two weeks ago, it's a tithe of the year, right? It's a tenth of the year that is given. And I've asked Lynn to basically give the high points and kind of the structure of Lent so that you have some idea going into Lent what is going on <laughs> instead of just kind of like a ping pong or something, just going back and forth and having experience to experience. Uh, if you would like, uh, <coughs> are you going to be talking about resources for them to turn to at all? Uh, no, I had not prepared anything. So, that's fine. I have. So I think I, I mentioned at the end of last class, but Father Alexander Schmemann's book, Great Lent, is a good also kind of this is what lit and the spirit of lit is about there you go and then the other book uh is hopko's linton spring well i didn't bring that one because that's, uh, that's more it's poetic okay. it's, it's, it's more like poetic that's week. why i was saying like schmemann would be a good introduction this and is then, a better one uh for details for specifically the hopko book is more of like devotional when you're actually kind of used to the structure and you don't really need to think about the structure anymore uh you will just know it that it's coming right the first week of lent is going to be intense etc yes Sorry, can you those two books father Schmemann's great lent and then hopko h-o-p-k-o it's another blessing Oops. of orthodoxy you get used to uh Spelling a lot of different names <laughs> from different ethnicities than you're probably used to. Uh, the other, there is uh, the Triodion, which is the book that is used throughout Great Lent. We're now in the Triodion, so it has all the hymnody for. Uh, if you've noticed, we have like set hymns and then we have rotating hymns, right? 
the rotating hymns change when we, once we get into the Lenten season. So the Triodium is the book. Uh, traditionally, of course, we we print them all out, right? So they're on every stand. So it's a different structure. But it used to be just the chanter would have the book. And uh, out of the Triodium, um, there is a, an incredible essay in the English translation of the Triodium that kind of talks about the spirit of Lent, which I will also distribute to you. It is a little bit more in-depth. It is longer than like John Damascene. It's not as in, intense in that way, but it is a good, like, what is the spirit of Lent? We're going to be talking about all those themes, and probably Lynn and I will both be, uh, and Rita Gregory, at some point, uh, to come in. Sorry, that seemed very demeaning. <laughs> <laughs> To talk about, so basically I want the rest of catechesis, because Lent is an intense form, uh, by intense, I don't mean intense as in like marathonish. I mean more of like, um, what's the word I want to use? In high relief, it shows orthodoxy in its basic details that are kind of sprung throughout the whole year, but in Lent you're like, this is like orthodox spirituality, like right in front of me, right? Uh, so uh, I would suggest that basically the rest of our catechesis, I'm going to look a little bit more in the Frederica book, but basically we're going to be hitting Linton themes because hitting those Linton themes is going to be hitting what Orthodox spirituality is, right? So I might do a Sunday where we talk about the Our Father, uh, or I might do a Sunday where we do the Prayer of St. Ephraim, uh, or a Sunday where we go a little bit more about the pre-sanctified gifts and Eucharist and we talk about confession because everyone's going to be doing a lifetime confession no matter which way you received, those kind of things. Okay? Does that sound good? Nope. Any questions specifically for me? Nope. All right. I'm going to have to go home so I can prepare to go do house blessings. So, Lynn? All right. Thank you. <laughs> you know do you want... Is it on? <laughs> it yep, is on. it's on. I might just hold thing. it right here. Okay. All right. Fine. So, some of you are new. My name is Lynn Attaway. Um, I haven't seen you all for a while. I had a really long bout of something and ended up two nights in the hospital with pneumonia. Well, and there on New Year's Eve, they don't even give you any hats or shakers or anything like that. It's just any old day. But, in, yeah, so don't get pneumonia. <laughs> it's taking a long time to recover. Um, for those of you who don't know me also, I just wanted to say a little bit of what's my background? What gives, what gives you the right to get up here and talk to these people who are searching for the true faith? Um, I've been Orthodox Christian. I've been coming here since 2003. It actually took me 18 months to decide to become a catechumen. I just was not really sure and took my time and so forth. Um, I, in, in other things, I'm, of course, listening to sermons, coming to church, but I have been to an, or, an icon carving class um, there were week-long classes five times, and they were taught by some of the best iconographers in the country. The class is no longer, but Jonathan Peugeot was one of the teachers, and I took icon carving for him for four of those years. And then I have also been fortunate to go on pilgrimages with led by an Orthodox priest who was actually trained both in St. Petersburg and at St. Vlad's, Father Ilya Goltlinski, and so I've been to Russia and the Holy Land and um, what we call Asia Minor. If Asia Minor is incredible in terms of, I call it, I have a talk about it called Turkey, Boondocks or Bedrock. It's anyway, so I've seen a lot of holy and historical places that you wouldn't ordinarily see in a regular tour. So I hope that that 
gives you confidence. I really hate looking up somebody on YouTube and you don't have any idea about what the person did or any of their credentials. So if that serves as credentials, maybe. Okay. <laughs> so uh, what we're going to talk about today is leading up to Pascha. And of course, everything that we do in our encounters here and in our life is that we're looking for an encounter with the living God. And through that encounter, we're looking for transformation in our own lives. And so this is part of the process. So um, I'm going to say, pretend you're not in church. Pretend it's a couple of weeks from now and somebody says to you, Lent. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Huh? Sorry? Fasting. Giving something up. Giving something, yeah. Thank you, Kate. That's the answer I'm looking for. Isn't that, isn't that sort of the cultural thing? What are you giving up for Lent? I mean, even though hardly anybody has any kind of a... Um, liturgical or sense of holy or anything else like that is what are you giving up for Lent um, so so we know about that and I just want to toss out here father I'm gonna let father talk more about the different elements of the three things that we increase our our energies toward is prayer fasting and almsgiving those are the three you know stools, supports for the stool of Lent, prayer fasting. And we're not going to talk about what to give up or anything else like that. That's for another time. We'll talk about, so don't ask me. Okay. So um, I think one of the big things to remember about, okay, let me just back up and say, I was listening to a talk by um, Patitsas. What's his first name? The, the Ethics of Beauty. Timothy Patitsas. He wrote The Ethics of Beauty, which is this big, thick book. Very, I've only gotten through part of it. But he, he gave an example that spoke to me about ice skating. And I, up until a few years ago, I was an ice skating teacher and, you know, skated in the little shows here and all that sort of stuff. Um, and he said that somebody was practicing. A coach said to the skater, you must come here every day and practice. He said, one third of the time, you will be in the zone. One third of the time, you will just be going through the motions. And one third of the time, it's going to be a total waste of time. <laughs> but you still come and you do your practices. And he said, what we can learn from that is that we are not designed to be machines who crank out the program every day. I had never thought about that, but isn't that our expectation? Okay, I've got my list, you know, and I've got to check off this today and, and this tomorrow, and I've got to fill up all my time. And, and I've been thinking about myself as a machine. you just got to do it. And I think our current worldview is that that's what we do. We just hear and we produce and we work and we work, and it's just saying, oh, we might get two weeks off. Um, but that we're not created like that. We're souls, we have bodies, and that we have different times, different things that we expect of ourselves at different times of the day, of the week, of the month, of the year, of our, of our lives. So just remember that. We're not machines. So here's this, okay, so you're given a whole year. It's, a, it's chaos, right? How are you going to decide what to do when or what's the best thing? Our church gives us structure to deal with the chaos. And it gives us Lent 
as a particular time to focus on <coughs> repent and return. Now we think about Lent very much in repentance and I'm sorry for my sins and you know giving up something and mortifying the flesh and all this that that's involved in repentance and we have to remember that it's leading us to the return. So it's two things. So that's what we're talking about in terms of Lent. We're entering into the glory of the kingdom that will be Pascha, but there's stuff to do first. You know, so you think about how do we create order out of chaos? What do we do in this country? Well, I think we have Halloween and the Super Bowl. <laughs> These are our big things. Now, I was gonna put in Christmas, but Oh, gee, if you enter Christmas in, then you got to deal with the whole Jesus thing. You know, I hope you realize I'm talking tongue-in-cheek. Please don't <laughs> quote me. Okay, but I'm just, I just try to think, how does the ordinary person on the street that you just bump, rub elbows with at the store or, or, or at your work, what, what's, the, what's the mindset today? And I think that yeah, it's kind of embarrassing to deal with Christmas and Jesus, but we can get all wholeheartedly behind Halloween and the Super Bowl. And then there are things that we do to lead up to it and so forth. And maybe Valentine's Day, that's another one to throw in. Do, do you see the point I'm getting at is that we need these times of special remembrance and getting together and so forth and so on. What the church has done is not new, it's old, it's valid and that's what we always have needed. Does that make sense? Okay, so not trying to belabor the point, but at any rate. Um, okay, so <laughs> this this talk has a lot more poetry in it than I'm used to. I'm a very, I'm a, used to, one of my other jobs is a technical editor, so I'm used to more of the outline form, but trying to bring in a little bit of <coughs> other things too. <coughs> so another Another element about this whole business of Lent comes from Father Stephen's blog, <coughs> and he actually posted this week. Excuse me. Um, his very first blog post, and uh, he had a quote in there from the brothers Karamazov. And I asked my Russian neighbor, "How do you pronounce that?" She's Karamazov, in case, but doesn't like my pronunciation. Anyway, the Elder Zosima in that book is the very wise person, and this is what Elder Zosima says. I hope this is not boring to you, but I think you know it kind of gives me more of a, 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 a feeling sense of what's going on. God took seeds from different worlds and sowed them on this earth, and his garden grew, and everything came up that could come up. But all growing things live and are alive only through the feeling of their contact with other mysterious worlds. Well, the different worlds, that's God who's totally outside, you know, of our world, totally super and abundant. So God took seeds, or God from outside, sowed them on earth, his, grew, his garden grew and everything came up. But all growing things live and are alive only through the feeling of their contact with other mysterious worlds or are alive only through their contact with God. If that feeling grows weak or is destroyed in you, what has grown up in you will die. Then you will become indifferent to life and even grow to hate it. That's what I think. That's what he says. So it just said to me that 
in this period of Lent, if we are seeds, we just uh, anything that you grow in your garden that's going to produce food or something like that is going to have a season of growth, and then it's going to have a season where it's not growing, and actually the seed has to go into the ground. You all know this, you know, and 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 have a period of different life, inactivity, or just different life before it can produce and rise and come up again to, to produce another year. So that just was a sense I, I had. I hadn't thought about Lent in terms of this, you know, changing the way we do things, changing our, our, um, our mode of, of, of looking at things and so forth. Because to me it kind of puts a different feel on the word repent. It's just part of it's part of the process and part of the growth. Okay, so um, let's see. Um, okay, so, so we talked about preparing. Now I want to ask you. So Shmemen talks a lot about this about how Lent prepares us for Pascha. So I mean, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I'll give myself a break there. But, you know, when I was in the, Pro- in the Protestant world, if somebody said, well, how are you getting ready for Easter? You know what I would have said? Hmm, are we going to have ham or turkey? <laughs> I mean, it was very superficial, and it didn't have anything to do with my growth or my repentance or, or, or feeling, you know, learning to grow in union with Christ. It was just totally material. And even as an Orthodox Christian, even coming more to the Lenten service and so forth, there's still that thing. Okay, it's just Easter's. That's just the big celebration. And and uh, Schmemann talks a lot about what, how do we get ready for a big feast? And and you know, like the day, the day before the Nativity is a a day that in the monastery would be a total fast, also before Theophany and before Pascha, a day of total fast. We'll get into some of those meanings, but I never thought about how do I prepare? I mean, we don't, we in this, you know, Western culture don't have any sense of preparing for something holy, I think. Have you, have you ever thought about that? How do you prepare for something that's very special and holy? Certainly not by abstinence. <laughs> you know, that's really, I think, a totally new con. Does anybody? Am I the only one who never really thought that that was the way to get ready for something big? I don't mean to belittle what our what our church. I'm just trying to find ways to relate. Is this making sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> so. So that's the understanding of the fathers, is that we have to do something to prepare, and some of that involves pulling away, giving up, abstaining from something. I think it's a matter of, if you were going to go to dinner at the best restaurant in town, you wouldn't go to Chick-fil-A right before, (laughs) you know, and have a couple of, you know, basket, whatever they have at Chick-fil-A. Does that make sense? I mean, there has to be some... So, I think food is a really good analogy to a lot of the spiritual life. Maybe that's because I think about food all the time. (laughs) 
But at any rate, I'm just trying to get at the point, you know, sort of you get more of an understanding of why Lent. You know, what what's it all about? It's because we have to do this emptying, purifying, repenting in order to prepare ourselves for the coming of the King, for communion, for receiving the blessing and so forth. And it doesn't just happen once. It happens every year. I mean, those who are married, they celebrate their anniversaries every year. We celebrate birthdays every year. It's a kind of a, a thing like that. So that's, <clears throat> that's kind of like, if we think about Lent in that way, I think it might help us deal with some more of the more practical things. Does that make sense? Okay. So <clears throat> now I want to, want to get into what Father talked about, kind of like the structure of what happens in Lent is that we have services on the weekend and then we have a different type of service on weekdays. So much so that if you come only if you come to church during Lent on Sunday, maybe you might come Saturday, you will experience just like the regular service. Well, um, this is the time I guess I'll play so I want to play two. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Oh, shoot. I don't want to send it. I just want to play. Isn't that what you're used to hearing? You've heard that over and over again. All right, so now if you come on um, services, there we go. How do I get it back to the beginning? You come to services, midweek services. that minor key for our regular Lord have mercy is what says Lent to me I mean I mean it just strikes me right in my you know in my gut that 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 um, sad sounding um, melody for the Lord have mercies well you're only going to hear that if you come to the weekday services I'll tell you why in a minute but to me if you get to Pascha, and you haven't been to a service where you've heard those different melodies, it's going to be like going to Nayland Stadium and never hearing Rocky Top. <laughs> okay? It's just, that's just to me, is part of Lent. Okay? So please make an effort to come to the midweek services. 
Um, so now I'm going to, so what I've said is that the weekday services have this minor key, what we call the Lenten tone. The weekend services have the regular tone. Um, why is that? All right, now I'm going to get a little outline-ish for you. Um, Schmemann says that we have to remember that communion has two meanings and fasting has two different meanings. They are almost contradictory. Communion is first a festal, joyful sense of Christ coming, his presence, a day, the beginning and ending of time. Wonderful. That's, that's communion. Communion is also a source and a sustaining power of our spiritual efforts. We're fed the body and blood of Christ. This is the source of our power. It helps to support, strengthen, and comfort us. So two different things. And now if you're Protestant and been to a lot of, oh, these, you read this and you read this, there's a tension here. Have you ever heard that? You know, you used to think you've heard that word, there's tension. Well, you know, in orthodoxy it says, yep, it's both. <laughs> you know, I like that. I'm glad to see some smiling faces. We've heard a lot of sermons about that. Okay, the other thing is fasting. Fasting has two meanings. There's one, fast is the total fast of abstaining from food or drink for a short period of time, a day, part of a day. Like before we receive communion here, we fast before we receive. That's the total fast. But fasting also has a sense of needing to be ascetical. That um, it's a slow and patient process. It's long and sustained. Time, the length of time that it takes is really important. To liberate us from the dominance of the flesh. And I talk about to get control over that little bag of skin that's in the middle of your belly, you know. <laughs> How can that dominate so much of my thinking, especially during Lent? It's a fight for the body, not against, but for the body. And so that's the ascetical part of, of, the, of the, the need for fasting. Okay, so why am I going into this? So... During, during the period of Lent, very early on, they said, these were things that were established in monasteries, that there could be no Eucharist served on weekdays because the Eucharist was festal and joyful and Lent is a time of being penitent and sorrowful. Does that make sense? But they said, yeah, we don't want to be festal and joyful all the time during Lent, but we still need that sustenance, we still need that food. So what they did is that they created the pre-sanctified liturgy that was served on Wednesday and Friday. And with the pre-sanctified liturgy, the priest will consecrate an extra loaf of bread for each of the services on Sunday and put it in a special container so that the whole prayer of you know, changing the body and the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ is not said, but we still have the blessed bread, and we receive that at the liturgy of pre-sanctified gifts. Does that? So, I mean, for I mean, I just came to church and I said, "Oh, okay, this is this." I'm trying to help you understand maybe a little bit more about the depth of it. Yes. Is this pre-sanctified liturgy different from the antiphon? Like both are blessed breads, but. 
Yes, it's actually um, been blessed it's with. It's consecrated. The, 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 the holy gifts that we receive at pre-sanctified, they are consecrated, just like, the, just like what we receive, the holy mysteries, on Sunday morning. So it, it, it is different than Teeteron. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it's a very different service, the pre-sanctified gifts. Um, I, I'll let Father go into that. But I hope that, you know, I just expect that you will be very blessed by coming to a service. Yes. Yeah, as we're explaining the, the presentified gifts and how they're put in a container, uh, I couldn't help thinking of the of the flood because even in the in the times of, of Noah the flood, like we had the, the ark, you know. Yes. It's like land. It's like going through a flood, like facing death or like even like pursuing my own death. But even in that moment, we need that container, right? Thank Which you. Like. The art, so. That's really beautiful. Thank you very much for sharing. I really like that. There, there are a lot of flood references made during, <laughs> during uh, the, the period of Lent. Uh, there's a lot of Old Testament that we read, and, and yes, we, we talk a lot about the forty days and, and the ark, mm -hmm. the forty days in Lent. So, I, I'm, I don't want to horn. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> Thank you. So, I think that's that's all. That's what I wanted to say about the pre-sanctified liturgies and this year at St. Anne we will have them on Wednesday evening just with there's so many services that the priest has said we'll have on Wednesday evening now maybe you can't come on Wednesday evenings for some reason um, during Lent there are also times of more intense services and activities so there will be other times for instance the first week of Lent we sing, I think we'll have services Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. Um, and so we'll have the, the, let me just say that there's, <clears throat> I guess we'll go into it right now. So the canon of St. Andrew was written by St. <coughs> Andrew, and it talks about, it's, it's, a, it's a canon of repentance, and you know, I, I, he has all these stories of people from from the uh, scriptures, which was the Old Testament, story after story after story, and I'm thinking, how did this guy remember all these stories? Okay, he didn't have Strong's Concordance, you know, he didn't have his phone to look that up, and somebody said he probably had memorized most of the scriptures. I mean, that's just a little geek moment here okay <laughs> you know how do you get, but at any rate so there that's that's the chance to come and experience the um the lenten sense of services is to this the first week and then um the fourth week of lent is a little bit different because that's also the the time when we celebrate the ascension i mean the annunciation and then lent is by the way you know, in the Western world, Lent is six weeks, and then you get Easter. In the Orthodox world, Lent is six weeks, and then you get Holy Week, <laughs> <laughs> and then you get Pascha. So Orthodoxy is always just a little bit more. <laughs> yes? When is Pentecost? When is Pentecost? Well, it's 50 days after Pascha. So, ah, thank you. That's something that I had thought about. Did we, we go through 50 days of penitence 
basically before Pascha. And then 50 days after Pascha is Pentecost. So isn't that a nice little structuring of time as well? I mean, I hadn't really put that together until I was putting this. Thanks. Putting that lesson together. All right. So, um, so then I would s Father will go into more detail. But then Holy Week, I hope you will be able to come to the services of Holy Week. Um, some of the most beautiful songs are traditional during Holy Week. Oh my goodness, wouldn't you say, Frank? Absolutely. Some yeah. of the most holy ones. The and, Cassini, uh, yes. Yeah, and, and you know, the whole idea of spring break, I, I don't think originally its purpose <laughs> was to go to the beach. <laughs> I think the purpose was so you wouldn't have to go to work until you could go to services before Pascha. You know, there's a lot, there's some people who actually take off that week in order to be able to come to the services. So there are a lot, I won't go into detail about it, but just know that Holy Week is a very intensive time of long prayers and, yes? Which week is that? I'm sorry. It's the week before, between Palm Sunday and Easter. What What's the date? I know it's four weeks from now. No, let's see. Oh, by the way, I wanted to make sure it wasn't like this. Like I was thinking in the Catholic way, you know what I mean? It it will be, it it will start this year. It will start um, on the day of Western or Catholic Easter, because that will be our Palm Sunday day, and then it'll go for for one week until our Pascha. I believe it's April twelfth. Yeah, and so we'll we'll have, and and there is church every day. And sometimes a couple times a, a day during during that week. So, like I, I normally I'm pretty good at setting up my own calendar, and I and and um, and the and the judge I appear before a lot is Orthodox also. So it makes it easy to, to like uh, like set up the calendar on this. But I I'm, I'm usually here most of the time. <laughs> okay. Speaking of calendars, let me just take a little detour. Deacon said he was going to put some calendars in here. We have a lot of extra calendars, and if any, of, and he encourages each one of you to take a calendar. Okay. Thank you, Frank. Because um, you'll need it, in my opinion. I don't know. We'll ask Deacon. But the calendars are like this, and it shows, for instance, in red, we just had the meeting. Of the Lord in the temple, it shows you about when we would have the the various feasts. The blues are days of fasting. Oh, there's Mark. Oh, and so forth. Did you know that the week after Pascha there is no fast at all? Okay, and there's there's also none this coming week because the week after the publican to the Pharisee, we don't fast during this week. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So no, no Wednesday or Friday fast. You have a have a hamburger on Wednesday and Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's, it's okay. Because we, we want to avoid being Pharisees with our fasting. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. All right. So, um, golly, I'm, I think school is going to be out early. I tried to keep this, you know, condensed and maybe really. So at any rate, we'll ask Deacon about where all those calendars are. He would like each of you to have one. So really important. Okay, fine. All right. <coughs> so in terms of the Lenten services, <coughs> we have the pre-sanctified liturgy and the canon 
to St. Andrew, which will be Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday of the first week of Lent. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about <coughs> was the prayer of St. Ephraim. He mentioned that today. And that said quite a few times during the weekday services. And um, it's also accompanied by prostrations. Um, so, and I also have a little theological occupational <laughs> therapy talk about prostrations. I spoke a little bit about it earlier on, but I wanted to talk about that today too. Um, the prayer of St. Ephraim, uh, and you'll, you'll learn it. O Lord and Master of my life, take from me the spirit of sloth, despair, lust of power, and idle talk. Prostration. But give rather a spirit of chastity, humility, patience, and love to your servant. Prostration. Yale, my Lord and King, grant me to see my own transgressions and not to judge my brother. For blessed art thou unto the ages of ages. Amen. Prostration. And then we do 12, O God, cleanse me of sinners, with just a, a bowing. 12 of those. And then we go back and we say the whole prayer. O Lord and Master of my life, take from me the spirit of sloth, despair, lust of power, and idle talk, but grant rather a spirit of chastity, humility, patience, and love to thy servant. Yea, O my Lord and King, grant me to see my own transgressions and not to judge my brother. For blessed art thou unto the ages of ages. Amen. With a full prostration. So it's a beautiful prayer. Okay, and, and we all look forward to that time of Lent to be able to say that prayer. And sometimes you'll say the whole thing and sometimes you'll say just part of it and who knows, it's in the rubrics and I just, I just follow along. Does anybody have any thoughts or questions about that prayer? Okay, that's just one of the real special things about, and you'll learn it. And it's a really interesting, you know, find, I heard a really, really good talk by somebody about the different, the meaning of the different words that are in the prayer. Okay, all right, so here we go, practical. Well, look, before I, you want me to start with the why or the what? <laughs> the, why, why. the why, okay. So, um, St. Porphyrius was a saint who was a contemporary saint. He passed away about 20 years ago, lived in Greece. He said, when prostrations are made for Christ, grace works directly on the soul and brings penitence, serenity, peace, and joy. But these things come with divine grace, and then the body benefits also. With our prostrations, we are humble servants of God. We acknowledge our lowliness and display our respect in a tangible way. And he brings out the point that in other societies, you would show your, that we were more accepting of a hierarchical sense of some people you know, are higher than us and so forth. You see that when people curtsy to the queen, for instance, or the king, I guess now, or bow to the king. That's about the only sense of hierarchy that we have in our modern, in our modern times. I mean, you know, people just walk up to, and you know, president and say, oh, hey there, you know. <laughs> but at any rate, I'm showing my age. Um, but at any rate, um, it is a sense of showing that there's a hierarchy and that God is higher than we are. Okay, so with prostrations, we, are, we acknowledge our lowliness and display our respect in a tangible way. With prostrations, the Christian is humbled 
and this helps for the grace of God to come upon him. When grace comes, his heart is set on fire. The fire of love makes sacrifices. Prostrations are a sacrifice and an offering, an offering of love and worship. And the whole person participates in the worship, body and soul. So it's, to me, it's a very wonderful way of adding to my prayer. Now he goes on and says, Peace and calm come to the soul, and good functioning is ensured for all our body systems. Circulatory, digestive, respiratory, and endocrine, all of which have a direct relationship on our soul. Okay. Um, Father Schmemann in Great Lent says, The body participates in the prayer of the soul, just as the soul prays through and in the body. Prostrations, the psychosomatic sign of repentance and humility, of adoration and obedience, are thus the Lenten rite par excellence. Um, so that's the why of prostrations. The what. You could call a prostration the perfect exercise for the body. A d dynamic squat with a push-up. <laughs> Blood flows from the heart to the head. Not just to the head, but to the frontal lobe. Because that's going to be the lowest, which is, you know, the thinking part, the decision-making part, okay? Thanks to the fathers for their wisdom. A prostration strengthens <coughs> the muscles. It stretches the muscles and the tendons. When you do a prostration in this plane, you're stretching the tendon muscles in the bottom of your feet and the top of your feet, the back of your legs, the front of your legs, the back of your hips, and your abdomen. Abdomen, you're, you're put, let's see, you're putting your spine through the full range that it can go and back up again, okay? <clears throat> it massages the inner organs. Think about that, okay? All your guts, which I think, I think reins, it talks about in, in the Bible sometimes. I think that's actually what they consider the kidneys. But at any rate, you think about massaging your inner organs, okay? Um, it rounds and then straightens the back. It squeezes air out of the deep part of the lungs, which I definitely need because I still <laughs> have some infection. But that's, I mean... That's so important, that deep breathing. I mean, even during COVID, they were talking about positioning people uh, flat, you know, face down on pillows and so forth so that they would come, you know, squeeze the bottom of their lungs because that's where a lot of the COVID infections were staying and unable to be treated, okay? Um, increased blood flow to the brain, the frontal lobe, and it increases the heart rate, just like interval aerobic training prostrations and other bowing positions of prayer like the <clears throat> that's just been or God's gift of sacrifice, offering humility, strength and aerobic exercise. <laughs> Follow the traditions of prayer with body, mind and soul. Do your prayers. <laughs> so that's press so I'll, I'll, I'll come over here. Okay. <clears throat> One thing that I started to do after I saw Joy um, Cox, who was an amazing piano player. She was doing her prostrations by putting her hands down like this, and I started doing that. And that's because I was getting some carpal tunnel problem. If you're going to be pushing up like this with your wrists extended like this, you can do some damage to your 
And I would suggest, <clears throat> I mean, I've started doing more prostrations. Just sort of like, eh, I need to get this congestion out of my lungs and it's not going to hurt. But start doing a couple of them now because during Lent, when you doing bunches and bunches, your knees will thank you. <laughs> okay, so to do the prostration, there, there's two, you, you can do it any way you want. A lot of people feel like it's easy to go down on one, on one knee and then the other, okay? Get your balance. Then you would right, and then you would go down and put your head on the floor, and then I need some, and then one hip, and one leg, and the other leg. I think that's an easier way. I think it uses less energy, but also to me it puts a twist in the hip and the sacroiliac joint. That makes sense, you know. Always doing it that way. So I like to do it where I just go straight down. And the important thing is to treat it like a squat. And that is to make sure that as you go down a deep squat that you keep your knees no farther forward than your toes, okay? Your, the, your shins are going to be basically vertical. From that squat position, then you can put your hands down and you'll walk your hands forward in order to get your, your head down to the floor. Like that, okay? Head down, just briefly. Now remember, your hands are way out here. You can't get up safely. You have to... This is the part that took me a while to, to analyze. You have to actually walk your hands back towards your knees in order to push your hips back. Okay, you have to push your hips back in order to keep your lower leg straight. Okay, and then you can get up. Want to see that again? Sure. Right. So down, hands forward, head to the floor. Use my hands to push myself back see how I did that? And then didn't stand up until my knees were back behind my <laughs> <laughs> I just love explaining. <laughs> explaining health stuff. You watch the monks do these, like like a, the, the movie Man of God, that the way the monks <laughs> do it, they're, they're it's like they've gotten down to a science because they do thousands of them a day. Mm. <laughs> Mm. Okay. So, what we're going to do in, does anybody have any questions? Yeah. Um, we often cross ourselves when we mention the Trinity. Yes. Are there similar cues for frustrations? Mm. <laughs> believe we cross ourselves before we make a prostration. How do we know when we're supposed to make prostrations? Yeah, I think that's you just watch. What's the name of that in, in educational circles? Peer pressure. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think it's a quick crossing yourself before the prostration. And then Oh God, cleanse me a sinner would be, Oh God, cleanse me a sinner. The oh God, prostration is just down. Me a sinner, just down like that, twelve times. Okay. Oh, that's good for the lungs. <laughs> 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 I keep playing with this thing. I'm sorry for anybody who listens to the recording. I keep fiddling with with this thing. Okay, so um, <laughs> let's see what would my so. 
In Lent, we're going to be wandering 40 days through the desert, just like the children of Israel. But we keep our eyes focused ahead because the kingdom is at the end. So that's all, folks. <laughs> Those are my notes. Class is going to get out early, I guess. I just didn't want to go too deeply into a lot of the details. I just wanted you to get a, a kind of a feel of what's coming. So most of Lent is still just a Wednesday and Saturday evening, aside from Holy Week, right? For services. For services. Is that correct? Hmm. Okay. What she said. The weekday schedule during oh. Lent. Is it still just Wednesday Vespers and Sunday Vespers? Saturday Vespers? Or are there additional services throughout Lent? Ah, good question. I guess it probably changes by the week, doesn't it? Does it does change okay. by the week. Hence, grab a calendar. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yes. I could, I could answer that if you want. Yes, please, Frank. Um, there, there are a number of additional services. Like, like we, we always have uh, Saturday services during Great Lent. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to the Sundays, uh, one of liturgies, the not just liturgies. liturgies, and and one of the and one of the changes you'll note also is that we use the we use the divine liturgy of Saint Basil the Great mm -hmm. instead of Saint John Chrysostom during mm -hmm. during Lent. So the mm -hmm. so the the services even on Sunday are a bit more somber, a bit more detailed, a bit more um, intense, and and. And there, and there are a number of other services that, that are typically done during Lent that some parishes will do that we don't because it really depends on the availability of the priests and the clergy to, to do other services. Like some places you'll have like Compline on Thursdays, you'll have uh, other services on, on Mondays and Wednesdays. Um, but especially the, one of the best ways to get your feet under you and, 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 and get moving during Lent is is to make sure to come to those first uh, the first Sundays we call it clean week the first week after Lent begins come to as many of those services as you can because the 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 the, the, the canon of Saint Andrew of Creed um, I, I used to compare it to well like like a bomb I mean you can't get out of the way of it it, it will <laughs> it it will it will cover every sin you ever thought about committing. <laughs> And, 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 it, and it's a prayer, like, give me tears of repentance. Mm -hmm. Help me to see the sin of my life so I can repent of it because it, we, we, it's poison. We need to get rid of it. We need, and, and it. And it helps us to do that. Uh, and, and, um, and, and then there'll be other things that will come along with the theme of the Sundays. Like at the midpoint, we'll have the, uh, we'll have the Sunday of, of, of the Holy Cross. Okay. Um, the first Sunday in Great Lent is, is called the Sunday of Orthodoxy, where we celebrate the, re the restoration of the holy icons. Mm -hmm. And typically, and I think we're going to do this here also, the other, typically all the Orthodox churches will get together in one church mm -hmm. for, for that Vesper service to celebrate, yes, this is what Orthodoxy is, and we're part of that. And my old parish would anathematize the heretics also. <laughs> and in a big, boomy voice, to all those who foolishly say that Christ is not the Son of God, anathema, and, and we're all saying, anathema, anathema, anathema. It, just, it was great. So, um, you usually find that only in a monastery, so, but there are a lot of services, and, and just dig into those. So, Clean Week is the second week of It's the week Lent? when Lent begins. It's the very you'll, first you'll week. Well, Forgiveness okay. Sunday, 
and then that's clean week. Is Forgiveness Sunday, though? I think Frederica talks about a Sunday where everyone in the church asks forgiveness of that's everyone else in the church. and it That's Forgiveness yeah. Sunday. Because mm-hmm. we, uh, like in our lead up now, like today was Publican and the Pharisee. Mm-hmm. But then next week will be the Sunday of the Prodigal Son. Mm-hmm. And then the Sunday after that is, is um, um, the Sunday of the Last Judgment, also known as Meat Fair Sunday. And that's our last Sunday that we meet. Mm-hmm. And then the Sunday after that is Forgiveness Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's Cheese Fair Sunday, and that's when we give up cheese. We essentially become vegans for, for uh, for for the for the whole time before Pascha, mm-hmm. and and so um, it, it, it's like um, for 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 people that have been with the church for a long time. I know Lynn would would agree with this. Like like last Sunday is Zacchaeus Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like we say, we can hear the hoofbeats of of <laughs> approaching, but it's almost here. And, um, there's, there's more to, to February than the Super Bowl. <laughs> 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 All right. Yes. Can you explain the fasting? Can you talk more about that? Is it we abstain from meat the whole week? Or, I'm sorry, the whole uh, duration of Lent, all of the weeks, and each week something else is added, added to be taken away? How is that? <laughs> no, t- t- typically what, what happens is, is, is we ease our way into the fast. Okay, so... Uh, the, yeah, there, there's a fast before the fast, and uh, so like on on uh, on the on the Sunday, the Last Judgment Meat Fair Sunday, at that point we'll give up all we'll give up all meat, okay, like like um, uh, beef and chicken and lamb, etc. Uh, but we but we keep having uh, dairy and fish for that week, and then when Cheese Fair gets here, then we give up all dairy, all fish, all meat. Um, and and it and it's and it's that way for the entirety of, of Lent. Okay, like in, in the typical year, we give up on we, we fast like that. We do an ascetic fast on Wednesdays and Fridays, except in this week because this is the week of the the, 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 the Pharisee. So, uh, the important thing though is to talk with Father Daniel about that. Mm-hmm. Talk talk with your spiritual father about it because <laughs> if you've never tried to fast before. Get some good guidance on it because he may tell you, "Look, you've not fasted before. Let's not do the whole thing just yet." Mm-hmm. Um, so, or Thank you. Mm-hmm. he might tell you, "Like you know, while you're at it, fast from the internet." <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody ever died from not watching TV, all right? I don't think so. Through the doctor. <laughs> all right. How many people have died during Lent? <laughs> uh, <laughs> about the same as during non <laughs> You know, I one one of my one of my friends at my last parish was the head of nephrology at Georgetown Medical School, and he said, "If we kept to this fast and kept to the way the Orthodox live, he said we'll live a lot longer." <laughs> okay, now I'll, I'll be around if anybody has any other questions. Thank yes. So whenever you say a total fast, is that talking about the meat and cheese, or is that talking about a not eating that day? Like not that? eating that okay. day for a short period of time. So total fast is not eating at all versus a strict fast is ascetical fast. Okay. Yeah, a strict fast is a total fast. Oh. Okay. Okay. Wow. Well, okay. Yes. What <laughs> advice would you give to during Lent if if you're invited by non-Orthodox Christians, oh. or if you are in a situation where maybe you're living where you mm-hmm. aren't able to cook for yourself every day. 
you honor those people who have prepared food for you. Father Stephen would say, sometimes I try to get invited to somebody's house. <laughs> you don't say, I'm fasting, I can't have it. You just eat with joy whatever is prepared for you in the spirit of hospitality. Yeah. Today's Sunday is a, is, a, is a real point on that because, look, I, I can tell you that my first... My first Lent, I was quite a Pharisee. Okay, I was I was like, a, I mean, you don't you don't want to talk about your fast because if you say, oh, I'm fasting, then by implication you're saying, and you're not. You know, and, and no, don't do that. Don't do that. You like like a, you don't you don't want to make people go to special efforts for you. You like it, 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 it's a spiritual exercise. And, and so that that's exactly right. When when somebody has you over, uh, now now you don't make plans to go over because you know they're going to have. But you get there in those ribs. Oh, all right. Well. <laughs> you don't have to get a whole plate of them either. You get like you know one and stuff. Well, I don't know. I heard about a priest who was traveling and was invited to stay at somebody's house or something like that and she was very well known for her fried chicken on a Wednesday or a Friday or something and and he knew that 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 was her thing and he said he had seconds he's going, yeah. to, hell for sure. <laughs> going to hell for sure for that <laughs> you know, my, uh, I, I mean I look I knew a monk at my old parish he 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 said that their abbot made them eat meat at least once during Lent so oh. they wouldn't become Pharisees over yeah. So mm. I'm not saying to do that. I'm saying talk to your spiritual father <laughs> about it. Okay. I don't want to keep you all. Anyway, I'll stay after. All right, so. Want to pray? Go ahead. Would you please? Do? Oh, Lord, now let us of thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared to face all people, alike to enlighten the Gentiles, to be glory of thy people Israel. To the prayers of Holy Father, so Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy upon us and save us. Amen. 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 Uh, got a stack of calendars here, and they are just take them. They're free. Thank you.